JudgeCast. This is episode number 160. My name is CJ Schrader, and hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 160. My name is CJ Schrader, and with me, as always, my two fantastic co-hosts. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. And Brian Frillman. Hi, this is Jess. I'd like that better. All right. So on this episode, we have something very special. Something we did before. But four years ago, four what? years and over a hundred episodes ago. Can you imagine that there's Jeez. something we did? You know, until until I, we looked and saw how long it had been since we did this topic, I didn't know we'd been doing the show for four years. <laughs> I know, right? Um, it's it's absolutely humbling to think that, uh, like, this. it's like a high school career for, like, you know, or college or something like that, right? <laughs> We, we've been doing Judge Cast longer than some people are in college. Uh, there will come a point where I will have been doing Judge Cast longer than I served in the military. <laughs> it's not happened yet, but it will happen, and that'll be crazy. Well, hey, you know what's <laughs> kind of crazy is we've been doing Judge Cast um, like more than half the time that we've been judges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty nuts. Anyway, have we actually said what it is we're doing today? No, we haven't. Okay, well, let's do it. Have we said what we're doing yet today? No, we haven't. Oh, okay. That joke's going to get old real fast. No, it isn't. We're doing copy effects. (laughs) Right. If it's funny one time, it's funny every time. Yeah. (laughs) Part of me did just want to go get kind of the script of the previous episode and just do it again and see if anyone notices. (laughs) Do the time walk again. Yeah, do the time walk again. All right. So, yeah, we're going to dive into copy effects also because our early episodes could have been better. So... Let's start off with what copyable characteristics are, because that is important, because that is what you copy when you have a copy effect. I know the answer to this one. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, they're the things that you copy oh. when you have a copy effect. All right. All so of that seems good. Specifically, <laughs> the copyable characteristics are the name, mana cost, color indicator, card type, subtype, supertype. Color indicator was new when we last did this. Rules I know. text. And then the power, toughness, and um, loyalty. Lo- yeah, sorry. It's confusing to say loyalty there because it's not loyalty counters. Loyalty. Yeah, it's starting loyalty. So, um, What about what about set symbols? What about set symbols? Oh. So the last time we did this episode, expansion symbols were actually a copyable characteristic. But since then, expansion symbols, uh, they changed all cards to no longer care about expansion symbols. The like three yeah, yep. that did. Right, there used to there used to be all all sorts of corner Casey questions that that judges that that just wanted to show off how much they knew about obscure things. They'd come up with rules questions that cared about uh, copying the expansion symbol on like a mountain, an Arabian Nights mountain, or something silly like that. Yeah. Uh, oh well. Yeah, well, that's uh, it. Was the sideboard tech? You know, if you got somebody that that just played Arabian Nights mountains, then. <laughs> You blow them all up. Yeah. Right. I can, oh, the the city in the, the sweet city in a bottle sideboard tech. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so those are the char- copyable char- characteristics. Blah. The copyable characteristics of, um, of every object, um, specifically, that usually comes up with, with permanence, right? Like things that are on the battlefield when you copy them. Yeah. Um, but, right, you make like a token copy of an object, or you play a card that is a that you know enters the battlefield as a copy of something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but also there are there are things that are copied when something's on the, when there's an object on the stack that's copied, um, and that's choices that are made when casting or activating the the spell, like overload, kicker, targets, the value of X, all that. Um, so. Yeah. So if you copy a spell in the stack, which we'll go into a little bit more, uh, you you will be copying whether or not those choices were made. Yeah. Um, I know that came up a lot with overload, like, because we can sit here and tell you that you don't copy text changing effects, which I believe is what overload ended up being, which is true. Yeah. But when you copy an overload spell, you copy that the fact that the choice was made to overload it. And so <laughs> right. You, you get to the same result. What you do not copy is and this is actually has become relevant i think since the last time we did this uh, you do not copy 
the colors of mana that were used to cast the spell. No, that's 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 always been. Um, it's been relevant. Well, there's been there's been when you um, uh, the spells that cast uh, what was the um, I'm trying to think of the the red green hybrid uh, card that dealt damage to flyers and non flyers from Shadowmore block. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah the, it was fire spell. Uh, was that fire spout there? Thank you. Um, so fire spout actually says like if you paid you know red mana it does three damage to ground creatures and if you paid green mana it pay it does uh, three damage to flyers. Uh-huh. Uh, well, if you copied a fire spout, well you didn't actually pay any mana for that copy, so yeah. it 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 did the big goose egg in terms of damage. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. That's right. Okay. So so there was a spell that did it. Um, I I know that this came up. This has come up in. Uh, uh, competitive events where people asked me when they were considering what decks to build, hey, does this work with Radiant Flames? And I, I had to disappoint them and tell them no. Um, so I, I, uh, I thought I'd bring it up that that doesn't work. Uh, I don't know how relevant that'll be in the future. But apparently it wasn't a new thing, and I thought it was. Maybe just be the Pyromancer's Goggles is new. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> so uh, everything that all the permanents that copy other permanents, you know, they, they're all replacement effects. They say this enters as a copy of blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, I guess there's there's probably some triggered clone out there that I'm not thinking about. But most of them are replacement effects. They say this as this enters the battlefield, choose a creature or choose a permanent. This enters as a copy of that. So that's a replacement effect. Uh, the reason I bring that up is on the battlefield, these ones that are replacement effects, they're always copies of whatever you're choosing to copy. There's not a moment on the battlefield where they exist as like, you know, a zero zero clone or whatever, that they aren't actually a copy of the other creature. There's no opportunity to get in there and I don't know, kill the thing so, that they're going to copy. So let's let's play pretend for a second. Let's say because okay. a lot of people, a lot of people, when they say like, oh, when this enters the battlefield, it becomes a it, it becomes a copy of a creature. So they use that terminology. What would actually happen to a clone if it had that terminology? Uh, it would die because state based actions would see a zero toughness creature on the battlefield. Right. So 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 these these copy effects that that modify how it enters the battlefield. I mean those those can't be triggers. They have to be replacement effects. Um, yeah, because yeah, there's probably some. Well, actually, the permeating mass you want to talk about—that's a triggered copy effect. It it is. Uh, so permeating permeating mass is a, a wonderful card uh, from Eldritch Moon. I love this card. Uh, for, I don't know if it's a good card, but it's fun. It's fun. That's how I define good. For one green, it's a one three that says. Uh, Whenever permeating mass deals combat damage to a creature, that creature becomes a copy uh, that becomes a copy of permeating mass. So that is an example of a triggered copy ability. It's not a it's not like an as it enters the battlefield, like permeating mass doesn't have a, you know, as permeating mass enters the battlefield, it makes other things a permeating mass or anything (laughs) like that. Um, but, uh, but that just goes, there are also tons of other cards that it might start out as a one, three or a three, three or something like that. And then if it becomes the target of a spell or ability, it can become a copy of something. If it, uh, if it attacks, it gets to become a copy of something. So there's, uh, there's lots of things, uh, there's lots of things that trigger, uh, that can make a thing a copy, but normally if it is a clone variant, it's going to enter the battlefield with its copy ability uh, uh, that's an actual replacement effect. All right. So when you copy something, you're basically, like I said, it enters as a copy of that card. So if it has any into those battlefield triggers, those are going to trigger. If it has any effects that are choices made as it enters the battlefield, so an example is Adaptive Automaton, which has you choose a creature as it enters the battlefield, you'll get to make those choices. So you don't copy the uh, the choice that was made for the one that's already out there. Your copy, you get to choose a new one because basically you have a new Adaptive Automaton entering the battlefield. Yeah, so so something that we don't we don't talk a, a whole whole lot about is there are there's actually um, uh, an order of replacement effects, hmm. and it, it doesn't come up a whole lot uh, often. But uh, adaptive automaton that's a as it enters the battlefield you choose a creature type, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so 
clone, for example, says as as it enters the battlefield, choose a creature. And uh, uh, adaptive automaton says as this enters the battlefield, uh, choose a creature type. So if I'm casting clone, it, it makes sense that I'm going to cast clone uh, copying the adaptive automaton and I'm going to get to choose a creature type. But those are both as enters the battlefield replacement effects. Um, so clearly I have to I have to be able to apply them in a specific order because if I just got to choose, then I would – uh, it, it would it would it would be weird, or, or it might get you it might get you like an unintuitive result. Right. Um, if you if you did those kind of things, so yes, there is there is an order of of replacement effects. Um, that it wouldn't actually be necessary in that particular case. Uh, what's that? They said it, the, the order wouldn't actually be necessary in that particular case because you would apply the first replacement effect and then see that there was still another replacement effect to apply, and there's only one order you can do it in. Um, but okay, yeah, fair point. But uh, the, the where you do run into problems is with Essence of the Wild, uh, which is a card that makes other creatures enter the battlefield as a copy of it. Um, and so Adaptive Automaton at that point has has a replacement effect that would remove the other one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, that in that point, if you play an Adaptive Automaton while you have a, a, an Essence of the Wild on the battlefield. Uh, you have to apply the copy effect first, which prevents you from ever choosing a creature type. Unless you just happen to have another adaptive automaton somehow, <laughs> and then no. you're copying, and, and then you're copying it. No, uh, you'd, no, you'd have to somehow give adaptive automaton essence of the wilds copy effect uh, on the battlefield, which I don't think I can't think of a way you could do that. So, I want to take a step back actually because I, I think. Maybe I, I kind of glossed over something. So we talked about the copyable characteristics, right? Right. That's all you copy when you're copying a card are the copyable characteristics. So right. yeah. you don't copy. Um, this has nothing to do with what you were just saying, even though I'm making it sound like it did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> nice segue. I like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, um, so if you make a copy of a creature that has giant growth active on it and it has two plus one plus one counters on it, you're going to get that creature as if you had just cast a fresh one from your hand. So it makes sense. So yeah, you yes. don't copy any auras affecting it. You don't copy any effects that might be affecting it, any counters on it. Nothing, with one exception, which is if you're copying something that is already the copy of something. What? what? That's some real inception level stuff there. I know. Can you explain I it? Know. So, well, let me use this a classic example, though. So for most cases, it's as if you took that creature and put it in a, as Brian would call it, Xerox machine. Well, Xerox are so old. And then you got, and then what you got out, right? It's, it's identical to like a fresh copy. Okay. So when you copy a copy, you get a copy of what it is copying. So... A clone is cloning a bear cub. And then we have a phantasmal image copying that clone. You're going to get another bear cub. It would be well, with the fa- with the phantasmal extra text. Yeah. So so, yeah. So basically what happens when you when you copy when you copy a creature on the battlefield, you are almost taking a photocopy of that card. Every everything that that card is, is now what the game sees for that. And if you copy that copy, well, you keep getting the same thing. I, I think I think last time we did this episode, that's where we came up with like the Phantasmal Vesuvian Phyrexian Doppelcub. Yeah, we went deep. Yeah, we did go real deep. We're only gonna go a little deep this time. We did we went too deep. We don't have to copy that. <laughs> uh, so something Brian touched on there is so I said when you copy a copy, you get a copy of the copy. It's I wish I had other words to use here. If you apply a copy effect to something where there's already a copy yeah. effect applying, you'll apply them in order. So so when you get when you copy a copy, you are also applying the copy effect. So if the copy effect has any changes, right? So Phantasmal Image says uh if this creature becomes the target of a speller ability, it adds, you sacrifice it. Adds, it adds, huh? 
Yeah, well, it's, it's an exception to the copy effect. Yeah. You copy it except for it has this ability and this other creature type. Right. So, so it's, those exceptions are still going to apply. Right. So if you copy a phantasmal image, your copy of a phantasmal image will also have that same triggered ability on it. Okay. So just, just to clarify, so I have a bear cub. Yeah. I cast phantasmal image copying the bear cub. And just so we have the text for phantasmal image, uh, you may have phantasmal image enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature bear cub on the battlefield, except it's an illusion in addition to its other types. And it gains when this creature becomes the target of a spell or ability sacrifice. So what the game is going to see when I play my, my phantasmal image, it's going to see uh, a green because it has the, uh, the casting cost of one G uh, bear cub creature type is going to be illusion bear or bear illusion. I don't know which which one. We just want to make it's bear illusion illusion bear. We just want to make sure we don't use. Uh, you know, I almost made a Guns N' Roses joke. Never mind. Um, uh, and then it has the ability. It's a two two, and it has the ability when this creature becomes the target of a spell or ability, sacrifice it. Now, if you were to copy, if you were to cast another phantasmal image. And copy the phantasmal cub. Um, it's going to have now two instances of when this creature becomes the target of a spell or ability, sacrifice it. I think it's technically also an illusion. Illusion. Yeah, I do too. And I, I think I, I think I brought that up in the last one too. And I've never gotten anyone to actually. I can't get anyone to refute it. I think it's true. Well, the closer you, you, you can't refute it. There's nothing in the rules that refutes it. Yeah. And. Uh, I hate to use this line, but MTGO agrees with that interpretation. Really? So, so MTGO, uh, uh, use your illusion. Uh, there, yeah, I made the you can have an illusion, illusion. Okay. If the same thing happens with land types. If you if you add more and more like basic land types in addition, you can have a swamp swamp. Yeah. Huh. I had no idea. Uh, I think it's really awkward. Finally. Yeah. Hashtag. So, Drain the swamp swamp. Another example is uh, Quicksilver Gargantuan, which is interesting about if it was a copy of a creature, except it's a 7 7. So, once in, again, another exception to the copy effect. And if you were to copy the Quicksilver Gargantuan with a clone, you would get a 7 7 as well. A 7 7 whatever, bear cub. So, now that we've beaten that to death, let's go real deep. And uh, in this little this little rule here, if the original copy effect doesn't actually change a characteristic and we are copying something with a CDA for that characteristic, we don't copy the CDA. And it's just like, what? Um, uh, this is one of those weird rules that gets you, that, that is what you need to get to the intuitive result that people think should work. Yeah. So, okay. So, so this, this rule exists basically because when a uh, card such as Quicksilver Gargantuan came out, people asked the question, well, what happens when you copy uh, a Tarmogoyf? Because it has an, because Tarmogoyf has a characteristic combining ability that sets the power and toughness. Quicksilver Gargantuan also says it stays a seven, seven. What, what happens? Yeah. So without this rule, it would have the power and toughness of a Tarmogoyf because the uh, copy effects are applied first and then the characteristic defining ability is applied during the power and toughness phase step, sorry, <laughs> of the layers. But thankfully we have this rule now, so we just don't copy the CDA. So the Quicksilver Gargantuan is a 7-7 always. Yep, it's, it's a rule. Um, to be honest, that's a loophole in the layers. Every once in a while you'll find a situation where uh, and we're delving off of copy effects right now, but you'll find a situation in, in the layers of continuous effects where the order that they're impl- applied in, which is intuitive the vast majority of the time, comes out with an unintuitive result. And sometimes you'll find a rule like this one to patch that hole. Yeah. To judges, this is unintuitive. But to most players, this is entirely intuitive. Yeah. So. so- so since we since we brought up layers, uh, uh, I do I do want to touch on something ki- kind of quick when we're talking about the copyable characteristics of every object, having like the name and you're copying rules text and you're copying the card types. Okay, when you make something a copy of something, all of those effects apply in layer one. It's not like the uh, the copy effect applies, and in layer four, the card type is set 
as the copy. So when we when we have our phantasmal image becoming a copy of Bear Cub, all that happens in layer one. It's yeah. not all exceptions to copy effects happen as part of the copy effect in layer one. Right. So it's it's not it's not like it gains the ability when this creature becomes a target of a spell or ability sacrifice. It doesn't gain that in layer six. Yeah. Um, it doesn't it doesn't gain the illusion type in layer four. Um, or have its power and toughness become the the, the creature that it's copying in in layer seven uh, B. Uh, and you might think that, and you might wonder why that's relevant. But we already went over why it's relevant. It's relevant so that you get the correct result when something else copies that. It all those abilities come with because it's part of that layer one effect. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're not going into layers, but the uh, copy is the first layer, and it's for a reason. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, I think everyone's got that. So, let's talk about copying spells and or abilities. Okay. Alright. So, when you copy a spell, you put a physical copy onto the stack. And and so this copy is kind of like a token, I guess would be a good way to think about it. Um, It's just, you know, you don't physically actually put something on the stack, but usually to represent that. But there's something on the stack, an actual object that can be countered, targeted, all that uh, cause when I was new, I thought that something that said copy target spell was kind of like a clone. And so that, that, that card on the stack would become that spell. And then somehow you got priority afterward. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I thought that, but that interpretation actually does make sense. Yeah. Uh, it, it is not how it works, but I understand how you got yeah. there. So if you have copy target spell, you're targeting a spell, your copy target spell resolves. And as it resolves, it puts this other copy onto the stack, you know, and, and this is just a, this copy is in many ways, just like any other spell that's been cast. You can, you'll, you'll have a chance to respond. You can counter it. You can, you know, do whatever you need to do. Uh, in general, it's just like any, it's just like casting a spell, except you didn't actually cast it. You didn't cast it. Yeah. Yeah, So nothing's going to trigger because you're just putting an object on the stack. Yep. In general, that is true. Um, there are, so, so storm count doesn't go up. If, if you have something that just says, you know, put a copy of target spell or copy target spell, um, that's, you know, not going to affect storm count. It's not going to trigger things whenever you cast an instant, uh, anything like that. But there are a few cards that usually will make a copy in exile and then cast the copy. So ice crown scepter is the big example of that. Um, I feel like a recent Chandra, not the most recent Chandra, but one before her, would make copies and then cast them, if I remember correctly. Did it? Yeah, it's like her ultimate. I could be wrong, but I thought she did. Um, but just I recall, But I believe you. Just something to look out. Just something to look out for. Every once in a while, cards that copy co- spells do actually cast them, but it's rare. The f- Firebrand, uh, the Met... Chandra the Firebrand? I don't know. When you cast your next instant or sorcery this spell, spell this turn, copy that spell? No. That's not the ultimate. The one that goes into your graveyard and you cast a spell like three times. Oh, here it is. Yeah, exile the top ten cards of your library. Choose an insert source card, exile it this way, and copy it three times. You may cast the copies without paying their mana cost. Yep. Yeah. You Chandra. cast some copies. Pyroman. Pyromaster. All right, now it's time for some miscellaneous junk about copies. Okay, well, hold on. Before before we... No, uh, I was ready. Okay, okay. No, go ahead. No, no, no. You missed your opportunity. No, no, I, wa- I want you to now. I want you to. Okay, so if I... if I um, So I copy a spell. So I have a spell that says, as an additional cost, sacrifice a creature, um, you know, and do do something based on that creature that I sacrificed. Okay, and I make a copy of that spell. Do I have to re-sacrifice, uh, do I have to sacrifice a new creature? No, because the additional cost, uh, that copy was already paid. The, the copy knows that you paid the additional cost. Okay. Uh, so, so if fling, if I fling something, if I fling a creature at you, uh, which deals damage equal to the creature's power, and then I copy the fling, how does it know how much damage to deal? It looks at what the original spell did what its original additional cost was it does that yeah anytime you have uh 
uh, references an object that was used in the payment, it's going to be referencing the same object. Um, in this case, the power of the creature. Of course, unless you're cop, you're casting the copy, in which case you need to sacrifice a new creature every time. Awkward. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't want to use fling probably with Chandra. Oh, maybe I don't know. I don't know your library. You don't know my life. I don't know your life. Oh. <laughs> right. So, like, if you had a, a bone splinters or something like that, yeah, uh, you would and made a copy of it. You would not need to sacrifice an additional. Uh, you would not need to sacrifice a creature for the copy of bone splitter splinters, unless you were casting it with Isaac Scepter. Yep. Or Chandra. Or Chandra. Or Chandra. Or a few other cards. Womp womp. Okay, so we kind of covered this in the um, state-based action episode, but let's cover it again here. So if, if you have a copy of a spell, and it's in any zone other than the stack, it's going to cease to exist as a state-based action. And then if you have a copy of a card in any zone other than the stack of the battlefield, also ceases to exist as a state-based action. Um, the word copy here, that's... Uh, that's misleading. This is misleading. If you have a token copy of a card, obviously if yeah, you have a clone right. and it gets exiled, it's not going to cease to exist. Or go to the graveyard, it's not going to cease to exist. But a, a token copy of a card will cease to exist if it goes to any zone other than the stack of the battlefield. Right. Uh, but it does actually go there, which leads to some interesting situations where tokens can still trigger when they go to the graveyard, if they have effects, and things mm-hmm. of that Although you see a lot of a lot of more modern cards, they say whenever a non-token creature dies, I guess specifically because of that. Oh, I was thinking about if you do something like make a token copy of Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn, and it goes to the graveyard, you will still shuffle your library. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Most most of the time, if it says like if a non-token creature dies, it's it's typically tied to the fact that there is something either on that card or another card that they think will be. In, in the same set that makes token generation really easy and like some sort of loop possible. Right. Because, uh, you know, it's sort, it's sort of like uh, uh, if a card, you know, um, whenever a creature dies, uh, untap this and then tap it and make a, you know, 1-1 one, one token or something like that. You know, that would be uh, uh, all you need is a sacrifice outlet and you can generate infinite so they would word it. They would word non-token to to prevent you from doing that kind of those kind of shenanigans. Generally, in Magic, they don't want you to go infinite on one card. Yeah, generally, generally. So, if you are able to copy an ability, which there are cards that can do that, are we going to talk about Panharmonicon? Wait, Ooh, the fork. Are we going to talk about the fork? Is that Panharmonicon? Yeah, we did last time. I think no, it didn't or, exist. It didn't. No. No, we talked about Shrianic Resonator at length when it came out. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Shrianic Resonator. But if you happen to copy an ability, the source of that ability is the same thing as the original ability. So the source is maintained. Um, so, you know, you're going to ping something with a red pinger. All right, wait. Yeah, pingers are red right now. If you ping something <laughs> with a red pinger... Uh, pingers have been red for years. I know, I know, but in my head, they're still, still blue. They're still blue. Yeah. In his heart. In his heart. Yeah. So that's why I had to stop for a second. I was like, wait, no, I got it right. And then you copy that ability. Both sources are coming from a red source. So if you gave protection to the creature or whatever that they were pinging, they would both be countered because they are both from a red source. Oh, <laughs> this one. Does this apply yeah. to anything that isn't soul bright flamekin? All right. I don't think so, but let's go over it anyway. We have to. We're going deep. Rules nerds love this stuff. You do it, Brian. Yeah. All right. Okay, so Soul Bright Flamekin. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this card because nobody remembers what it does. I remember um, what it does. Well, okay, nobody that's not Jess. It's <laughs> uh, for Sweden draft. It's for one one and a red. Uh, it is a Elemental Shaman two one uh, for two mana. Target creature gains Trample until the end of turn. Okay. If this is the third time this ability has resolved this turn, you may add red, 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 red to your mana pool. <laughs> <laughs> Just is laughing. Just is giggling. All right. No, it's so, sweet because if you have ceaseless sear blades and flanking brawler, you just go nuts. But yeah, we're sure. not. Okay, never mind. I don't know any of these cards. 
I think there's it's some sort of infinite infinite. Uh, it's not combo. infinite. It's a draft combo. One of these creatures has fire breathing, and the other one gets a bonus whenever you whenever you activate an ability of an elemental, which they all are. And Soulbright Flame King gives them trample in the process. Very good. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Um, Very so good. if I, if I activate, uh, so because a copy is considered, uh, to be the same ability by effects that count how many times that ability is resolved this turn. So if I activate soul bright flame, Ken copy its activation, uh, and then activate it again and let all of them resolve. That's three resolutions. Okay. So if I activate my flame, my soul bright flame, Ken, uh, his his ability, copy that activation and then activate it again. That's that's one, two, three activations. So you're gonna get your red, 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 red wine. Yeah. All right. So the UP forty joke. No, I mean I got it. I got okay. All right. The only the only podcast with a UB forty joke. I don't get it. I'm sure there's some UB forty podcast out there. Really? Yeah, just every week there was like, what's UB40 up to? <laughs> Dead? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> uh, all right. So a lot of the things that let you copy a spell or ability say that you choose new targets for the copy. And when I say a lot, I think all of them, but maybe not. So one little quirk is they all say you may choose new targets for the copy. You don't have to. And if you don't, even if those targets are illegal, you don't have to change them. There's not many cases where you don't want to change them, but if you didn't, that's a legal thing to do, and then they would just sit there and target, continue to target the illegal thing. So an example is, uh, and once again, I don't know why you would do this, but you have a spell that says target opponent does blah, blah, blah. It's targeting you. You make a copy. Well, now you own the copy because you, you made the copy, so you own it. You could leave it targeting you, and it will be countered on resolution because you're not target opponent for yourself because you own the copy. That's an option. I don't, I can't think of any time I've ever actually wanted to do this, but right. This, so this doesn't, this doesn't let you cheat and, and target things you wouldn't normally be able to target. Hmm. Like, like if you're somehow able to get, make a copy and get around like protection rules or something like that, it's not that actual, it's not that when, when the spell goes to resolve, it's going to, it's going to say, Hey, is this a legal target? And if the answer is no, then the spell's just going to not do its thing or it's going to behave like any other spell that tries that, that has one of its targets uh, made illegal uh, when it goes to resolve. Yep. So, yep. Cool. All right. Yeah. A couple more things to discuss. One Uh-oh. is the big fun one, which is copying face down permanence and then also copying double face cards. Yay. Yay. Copying double face cards. What about melt cards? And melt. And melt. Oh, man. I think uh, we didn't go over last time. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I think the answer with meld is just no. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, it works it, it, until it gets weird and then no. It applies to six or three cards, depending on how you want to look at it. Like, <laughs> it's hard for me to be that big on it. You know, it's three of one, half dozen of the other. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it, well, I mean, it just, when you say it's hard for you to be big on one, would you say that you're that you are as big as maybe two cards put side to side? Sure. That big? Yeah, I would say exactly that. That is what I had in mind. Yeah. That's what you're okay. saying. <laughs> all right all right let's talk about morphs and i'll let you guys talk about double face cards <laughs> or melds because i love talking about i love this i don't know for some reason one day i was just like i'm gonna sit down and learn this <laughs> i don't know why but this was like very important to me to learn uh so face down is a status it's a status of a card like tapped untapped phased out so, so it's not a characteristic no it's a okay. status why can't i name the status it's flipped not transformed, flipped. So what that means is it always applies, and you're going to see that happening here. Like, status is always going to be bigger than a copy effect, right? Because if you copy a tapped creature, your creature's untapped. If you're, you know, it's it's a status. It's totally separate from the copy effects. All right, so if there's a face-down creature, and I guess we might be a little bit separated from Morph to remind everyone that, that a face-down creature is a 2-2 with no name, abilities, or mana cost. So converted mana cost is zero. If you copy a face-down creature, 
you're just going to get a 2-2 with no name, abilities, or mana cost. Yeah. Even if after you... What if it's got manifest? Nothing has manifest. You got manifest? What if it it was manifested? Yeah. Your destiny has manifest. (laughs) Uh, Destiny's a card, isn't it? (laughs) Sorry, now you've distracted me. (laughs) Angelic destiny? I'll take it. Living destiny? Synthetic destiny? Synthetic destiny? Yeah. Uh, What's that? Exile all creatures you control. At the beginning of the next inset, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal that many creature cards. Put all creature cards revealed this way onto the battlefield, then shuffle the rest of the reveal cards into your library. That is... Is that just a worse mass polymorph? Oh, it's an instant. Is it? Is it, cre- is it creature cards, or when you're, you're exiling all creatures? All creatures. Yeah, it's just mass polymorph, but it's an okay. instant, so that's why it says... Uh, at the beginning of the next end step. So you could do it at the end of someone's turn. That's not bad. Well, near the end of someone's turn. Anyway. Um, you were saying. Yeah, yeah. So you would just get a 2-2. So your copy isn't a face-down card. It's just you've made a copy of the characteristics, and the characteristics was 2-2. No name, no abilities, no creature types. If we turn that other face-down creature, the one you copied face-up, that doesn't change anything. Because what you copied was just a plain 2-2. It doesn't matter that the other card is changed later. So that's all you get. You don't want to do that, basically. So so if I have if I have uh, a face-down face morph creature, like uh, an Acroba, Acroma uh, Angel of Red. Mm-hmm. Um, was it Angel of Wrath. Fury? Wrath? Fury. I like Fury. Uh, I like Fury, sir. Um, so, so if I, if I have, if I have the, uh, the Angel of Fury... Uh, face down, okay, and you make a copy of it. You and I, I flip my, I pay the morph cost and flip my Acroma Angel of Fury face up. You can't pay to flip your 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 copy face up. That's right, because you didn't make a copy of Acroma Angel of Fury. You made a copy of a two two creature. Oh, oh. All right. So now let's get a little weirder. If you make a copy of something. Let's say it's at a chroma. Then your copy is turned face down. You're going to have a 2-2 with no name or ability. So just to be clear, we're making a copy of a face-up a chroma, Angel of Fury, who she has morph. I mean, that's a relevant text here. So you have a face-up copy, and yours is turned face down through whatever means probably Ixitron. Okay, so the status effects still applies. And like I said, it supersedes the copy effect. So a face-down creature is defined to always be a 2-2 with no name or abilities. All right? If it's face-down, it's a 2-2 with no name or abilities. However, it's still a copy. The copy effect still exists. And so what that means is that your card still has morph. And so if you wanted to turn it face-up, you could by paying the morph cost, which for a chroma is a million. It's six mana. Three red, red, red. Which is is pretty close to a million. Yeah, but you could use that Soul Bright Flamekin to pay for it. Oh, sure. Just activate it uh, yeah. three times. Well, activate it, copy its activation, and right. then uh, activate it again. Wait, was it Rings of Bright Hearth or whatever? Yes. You're like halfway there. Yeah. Which also costs two mana. Yeah, you're halfway there. <laughs> um, okay. Everyone's following so far? So far. No, I don't think they are. Yeah, that's fine. And then finally, if you have a face-down card, it's already face-down. You have a face-down clone. That's a terrible example. A face-down bear cub. And you make that face-down bear cub into a copy of something else. Let's say a chroma. Nope, can't say a chroma. Say, I need an unlegendary morph. What's what's the... Ponyback Brigade? Ponyback Brigade. Ponyback Brigade. Good one. (laughs) We use good old Mirror Weave. To turn your face down into a copy of Ponyback Back Brigade. A face-up Ponyback Brigade. Brigade. I'm having a hard time. I just wanted to hear CJ say it a bunch of times. I'm having a real hard time with it. Ponyback Brigade. Brigade. Hey, your face down is still a 2-2 face down creature. Nothing has changed that because it's still a 2-2 face down. But if we were to look at the underside, if we were to just take a peek, the copy effect still applies. And so now your face down bear cub is actually... A ponyback brigade, and if you were to unmorph it, <laughs> you could. You could unmorph it. So the steps of unmorphing something is basically looking at it and looking at how it would exist 
on the battlefield if you could turn it face up. Mm-hmm. And then if it has morph after looking at that, so like if humility's out, you couldn't do it. If it has morph after looking at, at that, then you could turn it face up. If, if it is a permanent card that currently has morph. Yes. So I don't want to confuse people. A face down card obviously can be modified, right? It, it can be affected by power and toughness, like giant growth. It can be affected by humility and be a one, one, but for copy effects, morph as a status always trumps the copy effect. Mm-hmm. All right. Guys, tell me about double face cards and or meld double face cards and or meld. So we, we, we get to pick, we don't have to do one of them. Well, one of you does one, one of you does the other. All right. I, I guess I'll take double face cards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And um, the double face cards are actually very straightforward. Um, when you copy a double faced card, uh, you are copying whatever face of the card is currently up, whether it's the front face or the back face. Uh, whatever face of the card is showing, that's what gets copied. Um, if a card uh, that is a copy of a double faced card would transform and it does not have a back face, that instead it just doesn't transform. It just stays the way it is. Now, if you're somehow making a double-faced card a copy of another double-faced card and it would transform, then it actually does transform, but the copy effect that makes it the other thing will still be applying. So you turn it over and none of its characteristics will change. Uh, So no triggered abilities will happen or anything like that from that card on its own transforming. Um, so the just the the way I kind of help visualize that because that's that's kind of a hard thing to grasp is so I've got the I've got the card and then on top of it is the copy effect so if you if you just put your hand straight out and then put your your other hand over top of it and that that hand over top is the is the copy effect well and then you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself a back yeah then you do the hokey pokey so so that bottom card that that bottom hand you've got you can flip it palm up or palm down. Any way you want, and it's not gonna. It's it doesn't change that copy layer sitting on top of the card, so it, it, it can just it, that card on the bottom can just flip all, all all you want, and it's not gonna change what it's a copy of right now. Okay, okay, yeah, I think that uh, that's pretty much all there is about copying double face cards, unless I unless I missed something there. Um, and now meld cards, as Brian's about to tell you, are not double face cards technically, Definitely. even though they have. Two right. Um, they're they're 1.5 faced. They're which they're sound as cool. They're they're like you know they've got one deceitful face and one half honest face. They're not quite double face. And in half order to figure out which one is which, you could ask them <laughs> one question. <laughs> <laughs> what would Priscilla say? <laughs> um all right, so so meld cards uh, are are relatively new, um, and lots of people try. And, and what a meld card is is there's there's three specific pairs where um, you have two cards, and when you meet a certain condition or activate a certain ability, those two cards go into exile. They come back and they're they're flipped over to their opposite side, and they they are put together to form one larger card, larger creature. Um, they are not double face cards. They can't transform. Blah blah blah. Now here's here's what's what's uh, what's fun about um, what these these cards is. You can copy them just like normal creatures. Um, but what's going to happen is all the uh, the the meld shenanigans that you want to try to do with with copies. Uh, they just in the rules they just don't work. Uh, the 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 best you could hope for is just a, a swing and a miss on on the on the ability. But what normally will happen is if you if you make um, if you make copies of uh, chittering host or uh, graph rats or whatever, and you're able to exile them, uh, they're not going to come back melded together. Like because those those cards, it has no back side to actually transform and. and come into play so so you're really kind of better off not trying to copy them hmm. so if you play both pair or both halves of the meld pair in in the deck uh the rules are there's there's several rules dealing with copy stuff and like 
basically plugging all the holes. So the easiest way to just describe it and think about it from even even from a technical standpoint is just no. So if you start saying, "Hey, if I copy, uh, if I copy Gisela uh, uh, the Broken Blade, and then play a Bruno the Falling Light, can I?" No. Okay, but what if I make this a copy of this? What if I what if I make a Graph Rats into a copy of Bruna and a Midnight Scavengers into a copy of Gisela? Then uh, what happens there? Um, in that particular case, I think I think I think yeah, they'll transform and then they'll come back. I think the rules are a little unclear on that because pretty sure I think you get a chittering host that way. Uh well, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna come it's gonna exile and it's gonna come back into play as the 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 double face card that's actually on the back because you you went you jumped through all the necessary hoops, but this is kind of one of these these things where it's like you worked really really hard and wasted a lot of cards to do something kind of dumb. I don't know anybody that would do that. <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> I know one. I can think of a, I can think of <laughs> I can think of a few. Um, it's it's a lot it's a lot of work for a very little payoff. So yeah, it's it's technically possible, and that's the best kind of possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, the uh, uh, if you if you create a copy of a uh, so meld cards they have converted mana cost. Their converted mana cost is the sum of the two cards on the backside, right? Yes. Okay. So if I make a copy of let's say Brucella Voice of Nightmares, okay, then my converted mana cost for my copy of Brucella Voice of Nightmares um, is the sum total of n- nothing. <laughs> um, because what happens is when you have when you have uh, uh, meld cards and even transform cards, uh, uh, when they're when their backside is showing um, they pull the information about the converted mana cost from the front side of the card. And if you have made the copy of the backside of a card, then, uh, you don't, you, you can't go get the converted mana cost information from your, from your copy. So, well, what if you, what if you make, uh, your melded BFM, your melded, uh, Brazella, we'll say into a copy of something else. It's it's still that's not like overriding the stuff. It still just becomes a copy that just happens to be made of two cards, right? Right, right. So if you if you if you like cast did something fun with mirror weave, and uh, or or some some other effect that made because uh, because uh, does mirror weave affect legendary? No, that's why no. I, that's why I had to. Uh, you want to you want to get there with conspiracy and shape sharer. There you go. <laughs> Well, hold on. No, no, no. If I each of the no, if I hit, if I hit, if I had a Brucella and uh, oh, say an animated Mutavault. Oh, this is great. And then I hit, I hit, I hit the Mutavault with the mirror, or you hit uh, my Mutavault with your mirror weave. Then my Brucella would be a very large, uh, unanimated leg. <laughs> That's absurd. I don't know what you guys are talking about anymore. What's that? I don't know what you guys are talking about anymore, and I think at that point it means it's time to move on. .org. Yep. Yep. All right. So I think that's everything we need to say about copy effects. Yeah, I hope that we got it all. I I would hope so. I mean, who who doesn't need to go that in-depth on morph and copy effects? So let's talk about a little bit of news. First off, this is Brian's realm, but Exemplar Wave 8 is open. Yeah, open this week. Yeah. Woot woot. We should try to get better about announcing the closings, too, because, you know, Brian, you, you just never tell enough people when the waves are closing. Uh, you, just, you never put that message out there, so. I don't. I don't like, you know, like a week it's, left, a day left. It feels uh, pretty it's, close. You can feel pretty close together sometimes, you know, especially with the, the delay to get boils and, and you know, sometimes. So, like, an announcement might not be bad. So we we could be like, this is when it started. This is when it ended. Uh, so, so right now, as the the official official announcement that went out, the end of it is January thirty first at, uh, oh, sorry, uh, yeah, January January thirty first at eleven fifty nine p.m. Uh, Pacific uh, Pacific time. 
so that would be 3 a.m. February 1st, our time. Uh, and that's just because that's what time judge like apps, like applications for events normally close is uh, is uh, midnight on the West Coast. So keeping them the same so that people don't get confused, because even though if you tell people it ends at, you know, midnight Greenwich Mean Time, because, hey, we're an international program, uh, we need to recognize the fact that we work across multiple time zones. Uh, Americans don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they don't they don't pay attention. Here comes the mossy. What? Yeah, here comes the mossy. I learned that like the first two ways that I did exemplar is we put it out there and it was like midnight Greenwich Mean Time. And everyone was like, what do you mean? I assumed it was midnight in my time zone. <laughs> no, none of the other countries. It was just it was just the in fairness, it is an American company. It wasn't even it wasn't even the Canadians. Like the Canadians uh, uh, and the people from Mexico and South America, they were all like got it on board with it. <laughs> America. America was just like, what other time? So zones? is Greenwich near New York or what's going on there? <laughs> right, right. It's like a, it's like like near Queens or something. Yeah, right? I think so. It's... All right. Also, we have some new regional coordinators. Basically, we just went through the process where. Uh, regional coordinators can get renewed or I don't want to use the word replaced. Um, retired? Appointed. Appointed. So You're renewed or appointed. So a few yep. were renewed and a few new ones have been appointed. So we have Hans Wong in China, David Hibbs in the South, and John Good in Canada, who does know when Greenwich Mean Time is, according to Brian. He does. Yes, they they all do. Um, so this is this is something that I I think we've talked about it a little bit, but it's but we had a conference just this weekend, so people asked the question, so it might bear repeating here. Um, so starting now, uh, RC uh, appointments are going to be a duration of eighteen months, and at the towards the end of that eighteen months, there will be an application period for for any uh, L three judge that wants to apply for the RC uh, position and they go into they go into the the evaluation process uh, where and then coming out of it you you might have a new RC you might have an, uh, an, an old RC um, this is an opportunity if if the RC is just not feeling it that they can step down uh, and know that they have a, a competent replacement so. yeah cool well, that's really it Hey there, JudgeCast fans. So the audio screwed up from here on out for the rest of the podcast. Luckily, we were near the end, so all that we really lost was contact info and, you know, some witty, hilarious banter that doesn't really need to be recreated. However, I've left the original messed up ending at the end just for your enjoyment to see what you're missing out on. So thanks for listening. My name is Cedar Schrader. I keep it fair. I am just uh, I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I'm an illusion in addition to my other types. <laughs>